0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Team Performance, Winning Ways for Uncertain Times. I'm Christian Napier, your host, and I'm joined by my illustrious co-host, who is absolutely amazing and has assembled an amazing array of talent for our episode today, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you doing?
1: I am fantastic, Christian. Thank you. So good to be with you. Always love to be here with you.
0: Likewise, even on a weekend, here we are giving up our Saturdays, and our guests are giving up their Saturdays, too. Why don't you introduce our guests?
1: Absolutely, thank you. So we have three guests with us today, and the focus, you know, as as we have talked over these past podcasts about team performance, you know, we mentioned that the family is one of the most important teams, and I'm 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 excited to introduce Melissa Cooper, who is someone that I've known for a a little over 37 years. We actually graduated together. Speaking of high school, 37 years ago. Sorry, Melissa, I didn't want to. People don't know how old we are, but we, but, but they can guess uh, now. <laughs> and you are a mother of three children. Two of them are sons that are married. You have a 17-year-old that's still living and schooling at home now, which is something I'm really excited for you to talk about because you are a full-time mother and have a, a child that's schooling at home. You've been married for 35 years. You grew up in, in Sandy, Utah. And you have a great family and a lot of them are here close. And so there's, there's cousins and, but you've also been working for the last 22 years. And until this past year, you're now working full time. And, and that's put a big strain on, on the family. And you've got a, a lot to take care of and a husband that works and, and trying to find balance and, and also, just having uh, enjoyment and adjusting to life and the new mor- the new normal. Uh, so we want to hear about that a little bit later. And we also have two other guests. That, that is James and Shelby Arrington. And these are two that Christian and I, we've known for uh, 16 years. They're incredible uh, individuals. And together, they are so dynamic. They are parents of six children. And three of those children are adopted, three born to them. And they live in Highland, Utah, where James runs a creative agency offering advertising and branding and communication and design services. He's done a lot of work for me. It's very, very good. Uh, their children range in ages from 14 to 20, and three of them are currently 17 years of age. So this is especially especially uh, germane to you with the with the current challenges. Your oldest daughter, Mills, was born to them, and it, when you guys were just in college, you guys were just kids. Yeah. <laughs> and She's also a phenomenal artist. I know she does some work with you. Is that right, Jake?
2: That's right. Yeah, she's really great.
1: Yeah, that is great, and she's getting ready to embark on a mission um, for our church, your church, as soon as this restriction is lifted on on travel. Uh, two of your children, Andrew, who's currently 17 years old, and Salem, who's currently 16 year old, years old, are biological brother and sister. And uh, these two were adopted by you from Haiti back in 2006. And I remember that process and what a special process that was. And uh, that was four years before the devastating earthquake. Is that right? That's right. So they came into your family. They're hardworking organized and social to a fault. Uh, and, 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 uh, those, those two are, uh, bring great sunshine to your family. And you also have Eliza, your middle child was, uh, your second child until she began the adopted, uh, um, until you guys began the adoption process and then she became your third and then your fourth child. <laughs> That's really interesting. And she and she's graciously accepted this this change of, of family status, and she's now a student at Lone Peak High School, and she's led her cross country girls country uh, cross country uh, racing team to state. I've seen some of the the footage you post, and she's amazing, and she's uh, competed in regional and national championships and was awarded the Gatorade Athlete of the Year in Utah for her outstanding running accomplishments. You're not very yeah, proud it's of been that. Really
2: I'm excited really exciting to watch her
1: <laughs> yeah i can tell i read your post and you're not you're not proud at all shelby he's not proud at all <laughs> um I, but i do want to introduce some of the other kids uh, they're oh, just older than uh, eliza is pharaoh who is a delightful young lady who came from i don't even know how to pronounce this but i think it's chung chung china
2: that's it yep. did i say that right
1: Yep. <laughs> so she came to you seven years ago at age 10 and a half back in 2013. And, um, she loves music and dance and performs with her high school drill team. And then your youngest child Silas is just a month away from turning 15. My goodness, uh, ah, loving skateboarding, hanging out with friends. Not right now. Uh, is very good at ceramics, anxious, anxious to get his driver's permit. Are you anxious for him to get his driver's permit?
3: Uh, ah! actually he's probably one of the better drivers of all the kids yeah it's so really, really intuitive
1: to him so he's that's our youngest and he's now 19 and in college so we're we're kind of on the on the back end of all this but these kids are hard working i see them you guys have been really restoring your home which is absolutely beautiful and it's been a five-year process and you've gotten these kids totally involved and you guys are are no stranger to adversity, and so I, I want to start with with you guys erringtons talk about your family uh, I know I've been slobbering all over you guys with the with this description, but talk about how you're keeping them engaged and involved and and some of the challenges that they're facing and how you're helping them to overcome those
3: well, I think one of the one of the biggest um Things that we faced is they're all very different, um, you know. In most families, your kids are all going to have their own personality. They're going to be, they're going to be different. We have some of these kids are introverts, and they're kind of just having a great time. They're like they're fine, you know. They're really just they're hanging out at home, enjoying their time here with us. Every once in a while, they they miss their friends, but for the most part, they're doing pretty well um our kids are very social um really really miss the social aspect and it's it's pretty tough for them um we're we're blessed really to have a large family in my opinion at this time because we are a group of friends and we've always kind of had that with our kids which has been you know and I know not every family has that but um our kids enjoy one another they get along um, for the most part. And so it's, you know, they have friends here at the house, which is which is amazing and a huge blessing. But the ones that are more socially active in their lives are the ones that are having a harder time right now.
2: Yeah, they're really missing their friends if they're more extroverted. We've also seen a clean line between the way our girls have taken it and the way our boys have taken it. Mm-hmm. Our boys have been more restless with it and more longing to be about and engaged in stuff. Um, One of the things we learned early on was that if there was no structure in their life, because all structure was ripped from their life, without the structure, they each began to kind of flounder. And so one of our jobs as parents was kind of try to build some structure back into their lives. That was a really important step for us. And at first, especially our boys, they they really bucked against that. They're like, "Hey, we don't have school, we don't have work, we don't. Have, why can't I sit and watch television all day long, right?" <laughs> and uh, and at first there was some uh, conflict there. But as soon, I, I remember like it was yesterday. I I my oldest son asked me why mom was being so strict with school when his school schedule was fairly easy. Cause he's a senior and, it, and he took mostly easy courses. Uh, I explained to him about how structure gives meaning to our life. And when that structure is pulled from us, it's easy for us to spiral into depression or thoughts of meaninglessness And he sat back and he said, I totally get it. I felt that. You're absolutely right. And from that moment, he's readily embraced the structure that we've given him, any of the rules, and he's gone out of his way to try to make sure that that structure is there.
0: I find that really interesting, James, um, this need for structure. We have seen this in previous conversations with the adults who also need the structure. and, And when this kind of a seismic event happens, We've actually had two seismic events was coronavirus and an earthquake.
3: (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) uh, This this uh, this structure is so important. I'm wondering, Melissa, have you encountered a similar situation with you and your family?
4: Yeah, a structure definitely for me. um, I'm very structured anyway and live by my calendar. And so when everything just melted away from my calendar because I couldn't do the things that I normally do, get up and go to the gym, go to work, come home, you know, um, plan social gatherings. Um, and I mean, going to the temple, things that I did on a regular basis, it's kind of depressing when you can't do those things that really feed you. And so you have to come up with an alternate plan that can feed you as well. Um, and that's hard to do because certain things, there was a reason why you were doing those certain things because they were, very good for you and I can't imagine that our kids are are much different. I don't always know what they're thinking so and they don't always some share more than others. I have my oldest is very open. He's an open book and he and I are a lot alike and so I miss the fact that he's he's married he's not living here and it would be such a treat to have him at home because I think he would liven everything up and you know he's kind of the life of the party and so my daughter being the youngest, and she is 11 years younger than him she needs him and they're alike in some ways and that's been extremely hard because he's got a baby um I don't know they're, they've been pretty protective and we all have and then my other son has been very protective of my daughter and he's 8 years older than her and to have them out of the house and and with their families and we can't see them other than you know on video it's been extremely hard and so We're trying to find new patterns of what what we do with our day. And I find that my daughter and I have become closer. She'll confide in me a little bit more. Um, We've been playing some games, which she does not like to play games with mom and dad. But it's just mom and dad at home, you know, so that's been hard. And we've yet to do the online playing games with um, with her siblings, Um, but we'll FaceTime And that's helpful. I think that really feeds us that FaceTime with the with our with my grandkids or her little nephews. um, She needs that. That's extremely. um, Oh, it just it just buoys us up. You know, it takes us out of a little depression because they're cute little faces. You know, we need to see them and hear them. Um, But some of those routines, you know, going to her young women's group. That has been really hard, and it's not something she loved or maybe looked forward to all the time, but it was a a regular thing that she did, and she saw those familiar faces, you know, or going to church on Sunday. She might not have always wanted to be there, but those people that we see there or what she felt there is, you know, we're missing that. And so there's been some real struggle with with, um, the loss of um, pattern and, you know, structure in our lives. Yes, definitely.
1: James and, and Shelby, you know, you say that all of your kids get along. How'd you do that?
3: I, I don't think we did it. I think we really
2: lucked out. <laughs> One of the things that we've observed with them is that they thrive on their differences instead of their similarities. Uh, and it, it's taught me to, to maybe make a case for that unity really comes from diversity, and appreciating one another's differences, uh, just by seeing it in my own children. So we've got a black son and a white son and a black daughter and a Chinese daughter and a blonde daughter and a brunette daughter. And like we've already said, we've got some that are introverted and some that are extroverted, some that are very physical and some that are very not physical and, uh, uh, some very artistic others, very musically inclined. And, and there's this full range of ability and as we've watched them over the years they've they've each taken a position with each other where instead of competing with each other they celebrate each other and they celebrate those differences and how they complement each other and th- from our standpoint it's just been remarkable this is something we've just observed we didn't teach them to be this way but it was something that as we would go out Uh, Let's say we were going to Disneyland or out to a national park or something. We would always said to them, buddy up. You always have to be with a buddy no matter where we go. And they would buddy up, but they would never, you know, they would buddy up randomly. And whoever they buddied up with, they had a good time with. And we would stand back and observe them uh, as they interacted with each other. And even from a young age, I, I think it's a combination of their ages being so similar so close in age and then, then being so different allowed them all to thrive in their own ways.
1: I know you're very humble about that response, yet, you know, what you just said is very true of organizations as well. There's so much more strength when you have that diversity, diversity of of behavior and style and background. And and even though you come from the same family, I mean, these are, these are children from very, very diverse backgrounds. And so You've created an environment and that speaks to the culture that you've created. And that environment has made it safe for them to trust and work together. And as a result, the the ability to, to produce and be more effective as a unit, as a team, as a family increases and the ability to handle adversity goes up.
2: You know, it reminds me of uh, when they were younger uh, we changed the way we were disciplining the way we were disciplining them was so ineffective and we were so frustrated. And Mm -hmm. so we stopped, we stopped doing time out and started doing time in. So like if they got in trouble, then they had to spend time with mom and dad doing something meaningful instead of going and being away by themselves. But the other thing was that if they got in a fight, then they had to do couch time together. And couch time was the two people that fought. they'd have to sit right next to each other on the same cushion. And the only rule was they had to stay in that comfortable place and we would bring them whatever they wanted, but they had to stay there until they were happy with each other. Not just like they couldn't be like, fine, I'm fine. No, they had to be enjoying one another. Once they were enjoying one another, then they could get off. And so we would tell them, you know, if you guys conspired together and actually learned to love each other right now, that's your fastest ticket off of this couch. And uh, every once in a while, they would get stubborn and be there for like an hour, but most of the time, they they learned pretty quick that they would they would throw off whatever the grudge was, and within ten minutes, they were in a happy place with each other.
3: If they worked together. If they worked together.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's interesting. We've got these two different dynamics at home, Uh, one with a gaggle of children who are all buddies, and then one with uh, one child at home who is perhaps communicating with friends and family virtually, uh, but nonetheless is, is isolated. I can't imagine, though how it would be if we didn't have these tools that we have today where we can FaceTime each other, we can see each other, even if we can't reach out and touch each other, we can still see each other. What's the impact been of these tools on your family, Melissa?
4: Oh, I can't imagine um, without it because, you know, even just, I mean, we could always, we had phones, you know, back when I was in high school, but not cell phones. So one person was on the phone at a time, you know, And I can imagine we would all be fighting over the phone if that were the case. So I don't even see my daughter a lot of the time because she's doing her homework in her room or she's um, chatting with her friends in her room. So a lot of I could go a whole day without seeing her. And that's that's not good. So there's some some downsides, too, because I'd like to see her more. Um, But that's the nature of teenagers. They do like privacy um, when they're gathering with their friends virtually they don't want to do that in front of parents you know they want to be able to socialize and talk about things that are more private and that's fine you know that's that's great and i i think it's nice that's it is a real blessing that we have that they can stay in touch that way and feel like they're still connected um so i don't know what it would be like this has really been um one way to handle it to be able to see a face and talk to them as well and laugh and you know catch up on what they're going through and and give support to each other
0: yeah i can imagine what it would have been like if we were in high school i graduated 35 years ago we had a phone that had a very long cord so if a friend called I could take that phone cord from the kitchen. I could walk all the way into a bedroom or a bathroom and you'd have this cord, you know, 25 feet long going through the hallway. So I wouldn't have to talk in front of my parents. And <laughs> Why so- did you want to do that, Christian? Why didn't you want to talk in front of your parents? Ah, you know, I because probably I was bad mouthing him, uh, maybe. Or I was, well, you know, well, as a teenager, you don't you want to, it. It. it's my conversation. It's not right. part of their their realm, right? So th- the same desire to have those connections outside of the purview of your parents, I mean, that existed back then and it exists now. We just have different tools to to.
1: That's because as parents, we want to know what's going on. We're all busybodies and they have to explain themselves. And, you know, is this somebody that they like or don't like? And then they're all embarrassed about it. But uh, I remember those phones. When I was even younger, we had party lines with our neighbors. That's how old I am. I don't know if any of you experienced it. Melissa, did you have that? Mm-hmm. A party yeah. line. We, we pick up the phone and our neighbors talk I'm like, dang, I can't talk on the phone. That's how old we are.
0: Did you have indoor plumbing, Spencer? Did you have indoor plumbing when you were growing no, up? It,
1: for, for a time. It
0: yeah. was easier to buy toilet paper back then. than it is
1: now. Very, very true. Hey, Melissa, I, you know, when you and I were talking, we talked a little bit about, you know, the challenge with your daughter getting, uh, having that structure that we've been talking about and how that's been applying to school. And you are just, you know, you're, the demands on your time are so great. How have you been handling that? And, and what have you been doing to help?
4: She likes privacy and I like to allow her that because she's old enough to make any decision that she, you know, if she wants to put a lot of time into schoolwork. She's the one that benefits from it. And if she doesn't, she's also the one that has to deal with those consequences. And we learn best from our own consequences. And that's how my parents taught me. And, and I really appreciate and respect that. And so um, I check in with her regularly and um, I, I in the beginning, well, I didn't start early enough. I gave her a calendar and I wrote down each class just kind of to help her have um, something to help her check off. Did I check in with this class? Did I check in with this teacher? Check on the grades with this one? Do I have a, a Google meet with this class just um, to help her stay on track with things? Because sometimes they're not as organized as you think or they just need some help that way because it's a new thing. And, um, I, i ask her, do you need any help studying? She always, she never wants any help. Each child has been very different that way as to what they need from me with school. And she's always kind of pushed me off and said, I can do it. I'm doing fine. And then I'll check the grades and some, sometimes they're okay. And sometimes they're very much not okay. You know, so I, I know that I need to step in, but it's, it's really hard to know when and how much and, and not to push because that's when the, um, the problems with mother, with parent and child happen is when you're you're stepping in and trying to fix something that they really want to do themselves, and they need to. But it's hard to sit back and watch it when I know, you know, you can see it from a different angle as a parent, and it's it's really been hard for me. Um, I try to make sure that she has all the study tools. I'll go overboard on that, and I'll contact teachers my, myself because I can see that. That some extra help is needed. And, you know, some of the teachers have been extremely responsive and appreciative of my um, communication with them. And then it allows them to know where she's coming from. And then they can address things in a different angle as well because they know a little bit more about her. So sometimes that's needed. Um, But I'm trying to stand back and let her figure it out, but allowing her um, or giving her the opportunity to. Um, have some extra tools and my suggestions to help, but it's been a real, a struggle and some classes. She's doing very well with this. I was hoping that some of the classes she was struggling with, she would be able to rewatch video over and over and um, pick up some of the things that she was having a hard time before, because you get that explanation one time in class. But with this, you can rewatch a video. I thought, oh, she's going to get an A. This is going to be great. And no, I mean, why do you want to watch math videos over and over when you hate math? So it didn't make it any easier, really. Um, if anything, it's probably harder for her. And it's different for every child. That's just our situation. I think the classes she was doing well in before, she's doing well still. And math is still just not her thing. Well,
0: not my thing either. Um I want to come back to James and Shelby for a moment, if that's all right. Uh, You mentioned that you have children that are involved in sports. And uh, sports provides a lot of additional structure. And it also requires a significant amount of time. You mentioned you had a daughter on the drill team, which I consider sport too. I had a daughter that was on drill team. And I mean, she was going to practice at five o'clock every morning. And she took technique classes. And it was a huge it was a huge investment in time and i would imagine that for those of our children who are involved in sports when that sport is taken away it's not just the structure but the sheer amount of time that they spend developing their skill and practicing uh and being with teammates what's the impact on your children who are involved on sports and having to do this uh, you know respond to this whole virus thing
3: well that's been pretty challenging actually um we had the benefit, uh, our daughter that's on drill, their season was basically over. They had kind of done their last big, they they went to nationals in Florida. Um, they had kind of wrapped things up. They had one more performance for the school that was basically for the parents that we were really excited about that they're no longer doing, of course. Um, but our, our daughter that's on drill has had some really amazing teachers. Um uh, not, not actually her drill coach, but, but some of her dance teachers at school. Um, they've been really amazing about, about doing zoom meetings with the, with the kids and doing yoga, yoga with them or, or just practicing together over these meetings. And, but you know, it definitely presents a lot of challenges. Um, our daughter that is a runner their whole track season was canceled, of course. So that's very, very tricky, especially because this is the season where she preps for senior year, which is the season where everyone's scouting. And so without that track season for the colleges to to look at, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, we've got to see, first of all, if, Cross-country season. She does cross-country and track. She's really a cross-country runner. Um, And then they do track in the (laughs) off-season to keep up their, you know, to keep up their stamina and their speed and all of that stuff and stay strong. Um, But uh, for a little while there, they were running together as a team, you know, trying to be responsible with that. But then the school said, no, we can't do that anymore. And so then it was like, you could run with small group. And then they said, no, we can't do that anymore. And it's progressively gotten tighter and tighter, of course. Um, so she tries to get out on runs, um, on her own and, and stuff, but it, it does present a lot of challenges, especially when it comes to the college readiness and these, these, um, colleges that would be looking at our children for scholarships. So that's pretty tough.
2: I want to add to that, that, uh, the the group structure was was uh taken from them and that was really discouraging at first uh we were able to observe how important it was to them individually by how they responded to that so in the case of eliza um she just kept running she's she's out on a run right now you know she's uh she is self driven. It's, it's a place where she finds great joy. She likes the pain of running. I think that's a little, you know, she, there's a little bit of insanity there. She loves pushing through that pain. Uh, but uh, same with Sparrow. She still dances. She finds her place. She's always thinking about music. She's still dancing. And so they've each found a way to continue with what they love about it. What they don't, be, what they don't get is they don't get the instruction. They don't get the. The fine-tuned performance push that coaches can give and uh, that'll come back, but uh, it's it's we're, we're thankful they've at least been allowed to continue to do what they love, just not in a group way.
1: You know, when you're with someone running, it actually causes you to push a little harder and endure even more pain because you're, you're there, not alone, but you're being challenged and, and pushed by your, your peers. And the same is true with academics, Melissa, you know, when you have, you know, your friends are, are studying, you're talking about that, that homework and, and there's just a huge dynamic that we're missing right now of not being able to be face to face. I know we're we're running out of time but what I'd like for you both to to do is if you will suggest some of the ideas that that you have found that have worked to keep your your children engaged and and improve their resiliency or just help them to deal with maybe some of the boredom that that happens and and or if you've heard from I know you're very connected both of you to families and friends what ideas have you heard that some of our listeners could take and and maybe apply with their, with their children.
3: Um, For us, I, I think um, getting outside is really important. Um, I know we need to do that responsibly, but we can go on hikes. We can go on walks. We can go on bike rides. And I think for our teens, it's so important to have that outside time, especially right now, because they normally would get some of that, even if that's not their normal, you know, area of interest. So we have some that would prefer to sit and play video games sometimes, you know, and, but they would have been walking to school or walking around the school or, you know, they would have been involved in things. And we have to recognize that and keep them moving keep them, you know, get that outside time. Um, as a family, we, you know, you can go to the park, you could kick a ball around. There's, there's so many little things we can do to keep them I just think moving and being outside
2: is really important for them at this time also we uh I told each of my children that I wanted to see them working physically for anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a week which at first they were like where am I going to get 12 (laughs) to 16 hours a week worth of work and uh we we called around to our neighborhood and we We asked neighbors saying, if there's any yard work that needs to be done, they can do it at a safe distance. And we've had an outpouring of requests for our children, which has, you know, our children are all over it. They're loving the pay. They're loving the work. They're loving the structure, and they're easily hitting that 12 to 16 hours of of work. Um, just, you know, they're, they're, uh, digging and weeding and putting down mulch and mowing lawns and doing all sorts of painting fences. And that's given another dimension of structure that they lost when they, when they had to stop their school and, and they're unable to get jobs right now, nobody's hiring. And, and so allowing them to do yard work and to do it for so many people has filled uh, an important gap. For them in their, their life, it, get, it keeps them outside, keeps them busy, keeps their mind off boredom, and uh, it's been a good. That's been a really huge plus for them.
3: Yeah, I think um, we have to recognize that depression and anxiety are are pretty high for the kids right now, and and one of those ways to combat combat that is is getting out there and, and being active, doing something productive.
4: Uh, Yeah. Uh, When you mentioned depression, anxiety, that that's right where my daughter is. And um, getting outside, feeling the fresh air is important. And my husband's had her out doing weeding, which she usually would complain about. And she hasn't complained, which is nice. It's been very productive. One thing I've noticed, though, is that she would play the piano every day before. I mean, she took lessons. She hated it. She wasn't really excelling in it. But once she quit piano lessons, she'd had them enough years that that desire was in there somewhere. And she just came alive with her piano and it became kind of therapeutic. And she'd come down at night and play the piano for an hour sometimes. And since this happened, she hasn't been. She'll come down and play every now and then. But I think it's when she's feeling good that she does that which is kind of the opposite. I think she needs to get down there and play and remind herself, this was therapeutic for me, because this is what we need right now. We need to find things that are therapeutic, that feed us, that help us come out of our, you know, down times. And, and so she doesn't know it, but I know it. And so I'll, I know that spiritual is huge. And so I'll bring, I've got some, you know, podcasts or CDs or, or, um, things, tools that I've got that I'll bring out every now and then. She fights it a little bit, but I know she needs it. And I know she feels the good that it brings. And so that's what I try to do. And then just, you know, the family walks or the FaceTiming with, um, family members. We've stopped over at grandparents' house and kind of stood far off and talked with them and just seeing their faces and you know doing some yard work for them, which she didn't complain at all, was very helpful too. Just to see their faces and to be able to connect again with the people that she knows just adore her, and because she just really is struggling, you know, she needs her brothers around, and so it's it's been it's been fun to have the cousins all come and say, "Okay, hey, we're going go to go do yard work at Grandma's house," and we all meet up and or some of us, you know, maybe not all at the same time, and that's been helpful for her.
1: You know, we don't all have family. People are listening. Don't all have family close by. But one of the things that that you shared with me, Melissa, that that you did with your daughter is you had her go on a date. you want to explain that? How did that work in these times?
4: Actually, my daughter didn't go on a date. She was actually quite upset with me that I wouldn't agree with the type of how she wanted to go about it. So I didn't allow that. But I have a friend who did. And they had a window date. So they have a great big window and a deck out um just you know off that window, and it was window dating and I thought that was the greatest idea and it looked so cute and they had big smiles, you know like they were enjoying it you know the window was open so that they could um chat, but they um you know, I'm sure it wasn't what they had in mind either, but my daughter didn't think that was good enough. So we're still working on that. She was quite upset with me last night that that I wasn't ready to go ahead and let her, you know, meet up with her guy friend and so I don't know we're still working around that one. So uh, something that came to my mind is I was listening to that in the past before
2: uh, we were quarantined like this we just tried to put a limit on our kids screen time how much time they're in front of a screen that was just an important part of our parenting um, style but we had to make a pretty clean distinction when they could only interact with people through screens between, uh, communication and entertainment. And so we, we told our children, uh, that we wanted them to, to reach out and have meaningful interactions with their friends every day and use the communication aspects of the, of their devices to the max, uh, as long as it didn't get in the way of their homework and stuff. But we still put a severe limit on how much entertainment, they could get so game time and movie time and and just watching television. We we pretty much cut it off no more than two hours a day. So that's one movie basically. Uh, and if they watched it earlier in the day, they didn't get it later at night. You know, and we tried to do it so that we were watching our videos or our movies as a as a family and things like that. So we we placed a pretty clean division between communications using our devices for communication and using our devices for entertainment and that type of structure has made it so that they've they've done some pretty creative things when they would have otherwise been bored they wrapped each other in saran wrap and made like a we call him kyle the newest member of our family and uh you know they've 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 painted a lot. They've they've created all sorts of fun things, and I don't think that that type of creation would be happening if they were lost in entertainment.
1: James, that's uh, that's great. And Melissa, you were talking about the uh, saying hi to your grandparents from the, the doorstep. My sister-in-law did something similar. They had a, a birthday party and they couldn't all be together. So they went to a parking lot and they all backed up their cars far enough away from each other. And they took out their long chairs so they could talk to each other from, you know, 20 feet away. Uh, it's hard when you have young kids because they don't understand why they can't go see grandma or whatever. But, if, you know, if your kids are a little older, that could be a way to do it. And My wife had an idea for, for teenagers, maybe go to a school or, or church parking lot. And there's these uh, chalk paint or even chalk drawing, and you could do an art contest and everybody draws in place. And then you kind of walk around in a circle and judge each other's art. I mean, there's so many things you can do socially distant if you're, if you're creative. Do you have any ideas that you've heard of that you could share with, with our listeners of, of things? Just, just creative ideas to, to keep people engaged and feeling more healthy.
4: Um, I had a friend who mentioned, I like this idea. I mean, you probably, maybe some of you have done this, but where they each make a video where they're dancing, they either dance together or they're dancing and, you know, show each other their videos or music. My kids would be more likely to do music because my boys play guitar and sing and my daughter does as well. And we haven't done that yet, but I think that would be great to have kind of either a talent show or, or where they're singing together, because that's something I think that they could really create something unique, or it could be, you know, a cover that they all like, because music is a big part of our family. So that's still family, but that could just as well be friends and um, something very fun, very creative. My daughter and I have done a lot of bonding where we've done facials and she offers to give me foot massages, but that's me, you know, that's just something that, cause we don't have any other people in the house, you know, but, um, as far as friends, I think, you know, those creative, um, ab- opportunities to do something different is, it just sounds really fun. We'll have to still try that. And I'll let you know.
3: Um, I think one thing that really comes into play here is your children's personal responsibility because I think that's going to vary from child to child as to how careful they are and how aware they are. Um, we've kind of, I don't know, we've gone through different phases over here at our house, but basically we've, you know, we've followed the social distancing um, guidelines. We basically haven't had friends in the picture at all. um, Until very recently, there's been a couple of scenarios where we said, okay, well, what if they went on a hike with a friend and they were actually, you know, six feet apart? We know this virus isn't going to transmit magically, right? It's going to transmit via droplets or, you know, we know we've heard a thousand times the science, but um, I think the ages of children is a factor for sure. And their awareness and their personal responsibility, if they could potentially go on a hike and really truly follow those rules, then I think we're in a safer place. Um, But I do think even as an adult, I think you find yourself slipping if you're not really super aware and you make mistakes that could then, you know, put you at risk. But so I think that's something to take into consideration. Uh, um, if there are things we can do, like you know the parking lot chit chat, or things with, that we can do that are responsible but still allow us some human interaction.
1: James, you you and I were talking. How, did, how has this actually impacted the? You actually. You already have a close knit family. What have you been hearing and what have you been experiencing about how this has impacted just your closeness as a, as a family?
2: I would say for our family, it's really brought us together uh, even closer. Our, our kids have been really scattered. We felt like we were going 10 different directions, even though we only had six kids and we weren't That's able actually. to keep them up with their schooling. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was quite fragmenting for us. And when this all happened, all of life slowed down, and it gave us time with each of our kids, uh, collectively and individually, with the kids to really bond in meaningful ways. And I, I felt like it was much needed for our family. Now, having said that, uh, several of our neighbors are, are kind of like your situation, Melissa, where they only have one child at home, or they only had one child to begin with, and these these children who are all by themselves um, they have, they've been yearning and longing for the types of, you know, time that our kids all have together. And when we started this off, we actually had two extra students with us. We had two students from Molly who were staying with us for spring break. And so we had eight, eight youth and these, these twins were 18 years old. So we had 10 big bodies hurtling around in this house. When COVID-19 hit and they stayed with us for an extra month until we could help them get back to their country. And it was not dull. It was the opposite of dull here at our house. It was, uh, it was very, very lively. There was, there was some discontent. People wanted to hang with their friends, but, but it was very lively and creative and it was uh, a really rich time. It has been and continues to be a rich time for our family. I'm enjoying it personally. <laughs> i'm I'm actually an extrovert, but the introvert in me is just like celebrating some of this. Uh, I am excited for society to open back up, but uh, for some of those children who don't have the large family units like we do, uh, I think it's more important that uh, that there's regular communication with their friends through through these technologies like I was saying, and and creating a division between communication use of, of tech and entertainment use of tech. I have found that if our kids get lost in the entertainment side, they, they are more discontent with themselves. They're not enjoying the day. They're wondering why they feel so glum. But when entertainment is more like the spice of the day, instead of the meat, uh, then it's, it's enjoyable. It's, it's, you know, they get to laugh through it. It, it, it takes its rightful place, but the meat of the day needs to be something that's really building them or building someone else in, in a significant way. That's what, that's what gives them meaning. And thus the work and learning and doing things that are hard. Um, that's an important part of it all.
3: Just one more thing in line, kind of in line with what you just said, James. um, My little brother, he's like 27, 28. I think he's almost 28. He just um, finished up at UVU. And he said something to me the other day that kind of struck me. He, and this was talking about, um, you know, on a religious note, but I think it can be applied to anything really. Um, He was talking about, you know, when you take away being able to go to church and you take away being able to go to the temple, and you take away being able to you know go see your neighbors and minister to your your neighbors and and stuff when you take away all these things what do you have left and it kind of was this moment for him where he's like i've got to dig a little deeper and i've got to find like who i am and what i believe but i think that can really be applied to other things i think when these kids have all of their stuff taken away that kind of makes them who they are, whether it's dance or whether it's, you know, friendships and and things like that. They have to kind of find some meaning and some value in their life outside of those things. And that can be a challenge. And that can be something that really causes some self searching And I don't think we should be afraid of that. I think we should make them aware of it. And encourage
1: it even. You know, this is a, uh, I, I think this is a great place to, to end. And that is really the positive side of this. This is a hardship and a challenge. And I actually talk about this a lot in, in, uh, when I meet with corporations and organizations, I talk about how the impact of hardship can either cause you to, uh, you know, uh, to retreat and, and have learned helplessness or it can strengthen you and help you to, uh, these youth are going to remember this for the rest of their lives. And it can be an experience that has really defined them because they have pushed through it. They have, they have done something hard. And when something hard comes along again, they will have evidence that they survived and could do it. And that's one of the good things that that can come from this, that will come from this.
0: All right. Well, thank you everyone, Melissa and Shelby and James, for joining our podcast and sharing your experiences so if people want to learn more about your experiences or, uh, connect with you in some way through this COVID pandemic, what's the best way for them to do so?
3: Um, for us, probably Instagram, our Instagram is Arrington
2: zoo. A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N-Z-O-O because we are the Arrington zoo.
4: <laughs> uh, Facebook is probably best for me. Um, that's where I have most of my connections and, and, um, I've found it to be a little fun and, you know, comparing some of our struggles. And and so that's been, that's probably a good place to find me. And it's just Melissa Cooper.
0: Excellent. And Spencer, if people want to learn more about what you're doing, how do they contact you?
1: So go to AltiumLeadership.com. That's A-L-T-I-U-M Leadership.com or email me at Spencer at AltiumLeadership.com.
0: And also for me, you can contact me at... uh, gp4.com is my website gpfour.com or you can just send me a note at cnapure at gp4.com again shelby james melissa thank you so much for taking the time on a saturday to come and speak with us and share your experiences thank you thank you please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll talk to you next week